The following message is from King's Church 1066, based in Hastings, Bexhill and the surrounding area. For more information, head to our website, kings1066.org. Good morning, everybody. Everyone all right? Nice to see you this morning. And uh, my name's Paul. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm going to be talking to us. And um, anyone seen Top Gun Maverick yet, the new film? Yeah, talk to me, Goose. Talk to me. And um, so I don't know if you like films. I don't know if you like films or not. But um, quickly turn to the person to your right, to your left, behind you. What is your best film ending ever? Best film you've ever seen. What is the best film ending ever that you have seen? Okay, I know someone's already thought about this. Just while I get myself sorted out. Best film ending ever. Have a chat. Uh. Okay. <laughs> so, for me, for me, the best film ending ever is Return of the Jedi. Don't talk about what are you want about. Best film ever, seriously. But, <laughs> <laughs> Part of the Star Wars trilogy, the original, the best Star Wars ones. And you've got this bit right at the end where Darth Vader has his moment of redemption. Okay, He's lived this life of tyranny, this moment of redemption where he picks the Emperor up, throws him down into the heart of the Death Star and destroys the Emperor. And so Darth Vader has his moment where he's undone. Everything is done wrong in his life in that one swift act of good. I can see someone nodding in the back who clearly agrees that that could well be one of the best film endings ever. So um, I don't know why or what it is about films that have some sort of element of redemption in. Okay, we love them. There's something about redemption in a story that just works really well. It could be Les Mis, Les Miserables. What a story of redemption. Cinderella. Cinderella is a story of redemption, Top Gun. There are moments, there's a moment of redemption. Oh, goose. And um, there's different things like that. There's something about the story of redemption that happens. And there's true stories of redemption as well, okay? On the eve of World War II, you might have heard this story, a man by the name of Nicholas Winton. He rescued 669 children from Czechoslovakia on the eve of World War II. And only in the 1980s was his story made known on a programme called That's Life with Esther Anson. Have a quick look at this clip. All the letters. But back here is the list of all the children. This is Vera Diamant, now Vera Gissing. We did find her name on his list. Vera Gissing is with us here tonight. Hello, Vera. And uh, I should tell you that you are actually sitting next to Nicholas Winton. <laughs> and it was just so wonderful, so terribly, terribly touching. Can I ask, is there anyone in our audience tonight who owes their life to Nicholas Winton? If so, could you stand up, please?
So you've got this, you've got this moment on, um, on, like on, on that program, That's Life. And um, he's surrounded, but he, didn't, he had no idea, that was Nicholas Winton, he had no idea that he was surrounded by people whose lives he had saved until that moment when they said, if, you're, if you owe your life to this bloke, then, then stand up. At his own cost, okay? He put himself out there and saved 669 children on the eve of World War II. And about, I think about 15, I think it was about 15,000 Czech children died at the hands uh, or during, during World War II. And so on the eve, he put himself out there, paid a price to rescue these amount of kids on trains to get them to safety. And only like years later, he kept it quiet. It was nothing, okay? And years later, um, did the story come out. Redemption isn't just a nice film story. It happens around us all the time, in different ways, in different shapes, in different forms. And it is clearly needed. It is clearly needed in the world that we live in. Even now, redemption's needed. The Bible, the Lexham Bible Dictionary, are you ready? Describes redemption as being this. It's the release of people, animals or property, from bondage through the payment of a price. Okay? Release of people, animals or property, from bondage through the payment of a price. That's what the Lexham Bible Dictionary says. And I wonder if... I wonder if these redemption stories resonate so much with us because deep down we know somewhere we all need some kind of redemption. The world that we live in, when you look around, deep inside, we know that we could do with some kind of redemption. Times when we wonder, what does it take for things to be consistently good, consistently right, how, what, what, what does it take? What does it cost for life to be like that? Okay? There's something deep within, maybe, that redemption just resonates with us, everyone, for some way, shape, or form. We've been looking at the story of Ruth over the past, what, four weeks, five weeks, something like that. And uh, this is the, the culmination of it, if you like. And um, if there's one theme that shines through the book of Ruth, it's this whole story of redemption, a true story of redemption. I'm, I'm going to quickly kind of, kind of what's the word, um, summarise as best as I can. So you have two widows in this book, Naomi and Ruth, and they're travelling to Bethlehem with absolutely nothing, okay? They're travelling to Bethlehem with absolutely nothing in the hope of survival. Naomi has had the death of her husband, oh, I've got to try and pronounce that, I'm from Essex, Elimelech, along with her two sons, okay? So Naomi has lost her husband. She's lost her two sons. And now she's travelling back to Bethlehem with one of her daughter-in-laws whose name is Ruth. And obviously Ruth has just lost her husband as well. And they're travelling together. With the loss of their husbands comes the loss of provision, comes the loss of security, and they are in an incredibly vulnerable position. And they need to be pulled out of the situation that they find themselves in. They need to be able to come out of the situation that they find themselves in, and they are doing as much as they can about it. And then there's a point in the story. It's when they meet a relative of Naomi's dead husband that things begin to turn around. 
And the name of this man is Boaz, who in this culture was what you would call a kinsman redeemer. Okay, Now, a kinsman redeemer, this was someone within the family line of the husband who would take on the responsibility and provide for the widow and the family. Okay, In this case, it was Boaz. Jewish tradition doesn't really tell us much about who he was or how he was related. Jewish tradition would say that he was Elimelech's nephew, and um, when he married Ruth, he was probably around 80 years old, which is quite a bit older than Ruth herself. And he was a wealthy, generous man and possibly a part of the Sanhedrin, which was kind of important within the life of the people of God. So this was a man of standing. This was a man of wealth. And this was a man who was related in the family line of Elimelech. So you've got the kingsman redeemer, and he steps in. And the story unfolds that Boaz begins to provide for more and more and more for Ruth and for Naomi. It started off with kind of like, it cost him so much every single step along the way. It started off with him allowing Ruth to go and to glean the field, to pick up bits of corn so that they could actually go and eat. All the way through, started there, and the story unfolds and it unfolds and it unfolds, all the way through to him actually marrying Ruth and giving her a son. When you read the story, you think, man alive, that escalated quickly for Boaz. But I'm sure it took time. Okay, but that escalated, it kind of like, yeah, you can go and pick my corn all the way through to, I will marry you, all the way through to providing for a son. I'd encourage you to go and read the story again if you haven't read it. That is a, a real kind of uh, a summary of how one man changed his life to change the lives of two other people. One man took responsibility as the family kinsman to change the future of these two others. The heart of Boaz, which showed nothing but love, nothing but grace, nothing but commitment, nothing but solidarity to his kin. Solidarity to his kin, nothing but empathy and compassion, and nothing but obedience to God. These were the attributes that brought about this story of redemption. For Ruth, for Naomi, the family line, the family name was able to continue. The family land and that inheritance was able to continue. The vulnerable were given a new life, new hope and a future. The vulnerable were adopted into a new home with new security, with new provision. The choice of one man, Boaz, opened up so much for these people where land was secure again, their future was secure again, their name was secure again. You see, these needy were rescued out of what you might say was a time of bondage, a time of what am I going to do? How are we going to get out of this? One man stepped in. But Ruth and Naomi weren't rescued. Okay, what I love about the story, Ruth and Naomi weren't rescued in terms of, right, I'll bring you out. Boaz didn't say, right, I'll bring you out of this situation. I'll put you over there. Get on with your life. See you later. That's not the kind of rescue that this was. That's not the kind of redemption that was in the heart 
of Boaz. Ruth and Naomi weren't rescued and then left on the side of the road to try and restart their own lives on their own. This redemption concerned their whole life and lavishly provided for them. Lavishly provided for all that they needed. This was the heart of Boaz, a man of grace, a man of love, a man who took responsibility, which provided a great reversal. It was a great reversal in the lives of Naomi and in the life of Ruth. Redemption brings a great reversal. I believe Boaz's heart, okay, I believe that Boaz's heart, with all my heart, was shaped by his God. All my heart, I believe Boaz's heart was shaped by his God. He was a man from within God's people, and I firmly believe that God's heart for redemption rubbed off on him. God's heart for redemption rubbed off on Boaz because of the importance of the laws given by God previously that widows and people on the verges and people on the edge were actually looked after, taken care of. Leviticus 25, Genesis 38, they give different pictures in what does it mean to be a kinsman redeemer. It means to redeem the land. It means to be able to carry on the family name, to provide for in the best and most secure and the deepest kind of way. These were things that God had said even before Boaz came, and they had rubbed off on him. He knew them. He understood them. He understood the heart behind redemption. Because God is a great redeemer. God's heart rubbed off on Boaz. And we know God is a great redeemer because of what he did for his people coming out of Egypt. No doubt, God, his God, is a great redeemer. In God's eyes, redemption isn't a sticky plaster or a half-job activity. It's not. Nor does it exclude physical or practical needs. Psalm 130, verse 7 says this, Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. Full redemption. Okay? Full redemption. Psalm 103, verse 1 to 5. Have you got that out there? Did I give you the words? Yes. I'm gonna, you can have my back to me. Here's what he says. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my most being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life. He redeems your life from the pit. Boaz redeemed the lives of these two people from the pit. But this is what he says about God. So much more. So much more. In God is full redemption. Full redemption. Are you following me? Yeah? Are you following me? Yes. Great. Lovely. Psalm 107, verse 2. Did I put that one up there? It says this. Go on, Laura. Round of applause for Laura at the back. <laughs> Psalm 107, verse 2. says this. Let the redeemed tell their story. Let the redeemed tell their story. Because it is such a good story. Let the redeemed tell their story. 
What time are we on? A quarter past. That gives me about 10 minutes. Do you want to watch a four-minute testimony from someone? Let's do it. Can we show this testimony? Is that all right? Go for it. This is a story of redemption. I got in with the wrong crowd, and I started to um, pinch cars, burgle houses, uh, become known, me and my friends become known as very high-profile thieves, really. I used to carry big knives, uh, the, the big knives to the smaller knives down my waist, and I was the kind of person where if you pulled a knife out, I would use it. I ended up stabbing someone in the head. I ended up um, stabbing someone, just missing his heart, and going through the top of his shoulder, uh, the, the top of his chest and his shoulder. Where he dropped to the floor, and so I was on the run for two attempted murders. And then I was just, when I went to prison, I had such a hatred for the system, and I couldn't handle being told what to do. Couldn't handle prison officers mucking me about. When I went out on association, I got to prison officer and I, uh, I stabbed them, and then. This led to me going into maximum security prisons, being put on CSC. It's where they feed you through a hatch in the door. There's no physical contact, so they have to have riot shields and riot gear on. Um, and that was my life for a long, long time, basically. And I, I just was going from prison to prison, prison to prison. But then I ended up going to Long Larton in Worcestershire. And when I was in there, I ended up going in an alpha course. Never heard of an alpha course, didn't know anything. And I just remember walking in because it sent me down. I sat down on a chair and I thought, oh, no, it's a Christian thing. And we'd just go there every week and I would argue. And the pastor, um, I remember he come to me. He said, right, I'm going to say a few scriptures first before we pray. And one of them was, no one's righteous, not one. We all fall short of the glory of God. And then he said the verses about Jesus and explained a bit why he died on the cross for sinners and stuff. And then he said, pray. So I started praying and I said, uh, God, I said, God, if you're real, come into my life because I hate who I am. And nothing happened. But then as I was talking to the pastor, I started to feel this energy feeling in my stomach and it started to raise up and raise up and raise up and raise up. And I just, broke out into uncontrollable um, tears and I just sobbed <clears throat> and I just right there. because that was a change in my whole life I knew God was real um, and no one will change that now and then I remember <laughs> running on the wing people clearly knew that I would become a Christian so I actually helped them on another two alpha courses and then I, I, um, I got released I've been in a prison where I because you would have thought that the prison where I stopped the prison officers would have been the last prison to have me but they were the first that's how good works the best thing for me is going in prisons and helping the lads in prison and, and trying to tell them about God I've got five kids and then my life um, and what upsets me is because now I know um, that back then, if I had the kids, uh, they wouldn't have had a good upbringing. And now they sit on the night and have Bible studies with their dad. Um, <clears throat> have Bible studies with their dad, have a life, they're beautiful. Um, and my life, 
and probably is my wife and my kids are the best gift that, apart from the grace God's given me is the best gift I've ever he'll ever give me um, didn't expect to cry like that mate mm. like seriously <clears throat> like let the redeemed tell their story let the redeemed tell their story Jesus has redeemed that bloke and turned it around. There's been a great reversal in the life of that bloke's life. Let the redeemed tell their story. Nowhere more clearly do we see the heart of redemption than in the life, death, and resurrection of his one and only son, Jesus Christ. The story of Boaz is just, it's a real story of heart, but it really is a reflection of a bigger, wider redemption story and nowhere more clearly do we see God's heart for it than sending his one and only son, Jesus. You will never see it any more clearer or deeper than on that level. The impact that it has on those who believe in him is incredible. Incredible. There is a redemption story to tell that we are all in, everyone in this room, there is a redemption story that we are all in right now and it's taking place all around us and Shane's story points to it. And if you're a Christian, your story points to it. Every time the local church as well helped the poor, it points to a redemption story. Every time Jesus heals someone, even now, it points to a redemption story. Every time someone becomes a Christian, every time a person is set free from addiction, every time the Holy Spirit brings peace. These are all signs that there is a big old redemption story happening and right here, right now, we are in it and are a part of it. We're going to spend a couple of minutes looking at what is that story, okay? Because it's there and this is our story to tell. Our individual story but there is a bigger story. For Ruth, Redemption meant the reversal, the great reversal of poverty and being brought back into prosperity through the heart and compassion and love of a guy called Boaz. Ruth experienced prosperity. Uh, then she was moved into poverty. And then she was taken back into lavish prosperity. There was a great reversal happening for us today, we are in a great reversal, okay? We are in a great reversal. We are in a redemption process, which is all about the reversal of the fall. It goes back to the start. It's a reversal process from the fall, the point where sin first entered the world that we live in, okay? Before the fall, God made earth and everything around it. Okay? You've got to imagine, I know I'm not God. You've got to imagine that I've just blown that up and I have made that. And in all of creation, which is immense, there is one thing above everything else that my heart is for, and that is for the people that I've made on this place at the start, Adam and Eve. There is incredible relationship here. Heart, love, everything that we don't fully understand. 
And here's why. Because the moment sin came in, this happened. Everything that was right and good, and your glasses fall off. Everything that was right and good, set that smoke from that, was no longer in the place it was supposed to be. Okay? I'm still here. God's still there. But because of that, there is huge separation now. And my heart for this is broken. My heart for that is, I need to bring that back. Before the fall, life was as it was supposed to be, in perfect communion with, and relationship with God, in perfect communion relationship with people, with no stress, no hunger, no war. Then the world was moved into a state of sin, and all sin's pollution and its effects have changed this place. It's changed everything. Humanity has become dead spiritually. Humanity became under the wrath of God because of its sin. Humanity became stuck in sin and not able to get out of it. Humanity became separate from God. Sickness, emotional and mental stress, rejection, all these things felt from this point, this moment, and they were never supposed to be there. None of it was ever supposed to be there. Not only did sin impact humanity, but it also entered and affected the very earth itself. Weeds started to grow. How annoying. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about the environmental aspects. I'm going to look at people. But sin entered. And it had a major effect. And this is what we're born into. The Bible talks about, Shane said about, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Why? Because when you're born onto that, you inherit it. It's what you inherit. You can't get away from it. There's nothing you can do to get yourself out of it. That's why redemption's needed. And lucky enough, brilliantly enough, there was a great reversal when Jesus Christ came. A great reversal when Jesus Christ came. This is why Jesus came to deal with sin, which was never supposed to be there. And he pays for our sin so that we don't have to. I need my glasses, okay? We have been redeemed from sin and its punishment. This is why Jesus' wounds, by his wounds, we are healed, okay? Because the pollution of sin, all these different elements, which we were never supposed to be there, we've been redeemed from these things. This is why Jesus healed people. This is why Jesus cast out demons. It's all about redeeming back to freedom from this, from this bondage. This is why he taught things which help redeem us back to a better perspective and a better way of life and relationships and love and hope. This is the story of Jesus going from this and one day returning it back to that. Okay? 
I'm going to put this quickly in my bag before I round up for the next five minutes because I don't want that going everywhere. Oh no, it's stuck. I don't want to move on without the big question. So if Jesus has done this, why is there still sickness? Why is there still stuff going on? Why is there still war? And we can learn something from the life of Ruth and Boaz, and it's this, and it's not easy. The moment Boaz redeemed Ruth through to the moment where she could have a son, and she had a son, there was a whole process of time. We are in the process of time of redemption, where Jesus has done the work and accomplished the work, but it is being outworked, and we are in that time. This is why we see glimmers and hope of what's right, of what's good, of a future, and all these things, but there are still bad things and sick things in the world. But Revelation 21 tells us that one day that will all be wrapped up and the new will finally come. That's when redemption will be fully complete. It's the big story of which we are a part of. So you've got the big story, and then you've got redemption, which comes to us personally, on a personal level. Going back to Ruth and Boaz, the Redeemer. So much changed for Ruth as she went from poverty into prosperity. For us, the redemption that Jesus brings for us personally from being a sinner into being a saint. From being a sinner to being a saint. It changes how we view ourselves. It changes our standing before God. It changes our future, starting from the moment you accept Jesus and going into eternity. Redemption, which is only found through Jesus Christ, okay, brings a great reversal for us. Have you got them things up on the screen? Take a look at these. You go from eternal life without God to eternal life with God. You you go from unforgiven to forgiven. Keep going, Laura. You go from unrighteous to righteous. You are free from the curse of the law. Go on, Laura. You are free. You are free. You go from being an orphan to being adopted into the family of God. Remember Remember the story of Boaz and Ruth. He took her in. God takes us in. The moment we accept Jesus Christ and this great reversal happens. You go from being in bondage to sin and all its pollution to being free. Go on, Laura. You go from being separate from God to being at peace with God. You go from being spiritually dead to alive and you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. Is that it? That is it. You are forgiven. You are justified. You are holy. You are free. You are adopted Reconciled back to God and all the work has been done. Brilliant. All the work has been done. Not only that, but Jesus also pours out his Holy Spirit within you to begin that redemptive work, to begin to clean you up, to begin to straighten us out and begin to bring us into who he originally designed us to be. 
What a story. And one day, it will be fully complete. But we're not there yet. You are who you are now by the grace of God, and that is enough. We're at the point where we are in this massive, big old redemption story, but what a story it is. And it gives us hope, no matter what our situation, and it gives us a future. It gives us a future, no matter what that looks like now. In this great reversal, you go from being under all the power and the consequences of sin to being free. And right now, you are in the middle of a redemption story, which one day you will be living again in an Eden-like world, I suppose. Try and get your head around that one. Imagine never craving peace, because peace is there. Imagine a perfect creation without weeds. Bring it on. Imagine pure communion with God himself and with other people. All these things that Jesus has redeemed. I'm going to finish on Romans 3, 22 to 23. And we sung it earlier on. And it says this. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew or Greek, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What does that mean? There is not one person that was born into a perfect planet. We have all inherited sin. It doesn't matter who you are. But here's the story. We are all sinners and fall short of the glory of God, but we are justified freely by Jesus' grace, or by God's grace, through the redemption that comes by Christ Jesus. That's for those who believe. There is a choice we make. A choice we make. Where do we go from here? I think I'm going to finish there and hand over to Paul and Dan. But at the end of the day, there is a massive redemption story happening, and we are in it and a part of it. And thank God himself for Jesus Christ, for sending his one and only son to bring us this great reversal. And from that point, everything has changed, and salvation is possible, and there is a big story and a clean-up going.